Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Welcome to the Screaming Box interview series with Imin Carr, guest Tony Ma, Ben Ten Technologies. Welcome to Screaming Box. My name is Imin. And we are here discussing the technology and business with Tony Ma. Hi, Tony. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. 100%. So, Tony, tell us about yourself. Okay, so I am Tony Ma. I am actually a co-founder of uh, Benton Technologies. Uh, Benton Technologies is what you might call a social impact company. Uh, we have... Uh, a product that we're building a platform of digital therapeutic products. And so from that perspective, uh, our mission is uh, to democratize healthcare and address health disparities. We have what's called a big, hairy, audacious goal, or, or BHAG, or big, hairy, audacious goal is to impact a billion lives. And so from that perspective, if you know the US census, there isn't a billion people, so for us, that means global, uh, global health and impacting uh, a billion people. And so we do that based on three pillars. We believe that if we leverage three things, the three pillars that define us, time, technology, and education, then we can democratize healthcare and address health disparities. So that's what drives us. I also am a recovering management consultant. Uh, first half of my career, I um, basically did a lot of uh, consulting, first in commercial, then to federal, then to state. Uh, so that's why I say I'm recovering. So a lot of background there. Uh, now I'm on my second half of my career. I might look young, as some Asians do, but uh, getting really close to the big 5 uh, getting a little scary there, but uh, I would say I feel like I'm forever 21, <laughs> but uh, my body's definitely breaking down, wearing uh, a lot of glasses, possibly reading glasses in the near future. So excited to uh, be part and share my experience or answer any questions as part of this. Okay, so how did you transition from like the, your, like you said, you were consulting, now you started this completely new thing with the healthcare. So how did you come up with this idea from consulting? So originally, you know, I, I always have been an entrepreneur ever since I was even a little kid, you know, you know, from mowing the lawn to, you know, liberal, uh, a bunch of different little side projects, little kids. I remember being in sixth grade and selling, stealing packets of noodles from my parents and then going to school because kids like those noodles. And so I would resell them for quote unquote a profit because, but uh, you know, I would sell them for like 50 cents. So I, I, I was always entrepreneurial minded. And so uh, once I graduated uh, from school, I went into um, management consulting. And so uh, shortly after doing some stint in some other areas, uh, including some startups. So prior to going into management consulting, I actually worked in the dot com. So I was, uh, I started my career in the mid 
1990s, which was when the dot-com era happened. So I had a rocket ship trajectory and transitioned quickly from working from a, uh, a internet company, actually that helped form the backbone for the internet. I worked for a company called UUNet, and UUNet uh, basically built the backbone for the internet uh, as it is today. I mean, a lot of it out of Ashburn, Virginia and stuff like that was started there. Uh, I, I don't know if you know the history of UUNet, but um, basically it got acquired ultimately by uh, WorldCom, MCI, and uh, the Bernie Ebers story, uh, for those that are familiar, and Crash and Burn. So, uh, you know, I had a very, I guess I would say a rocket ship uh, career. Uh, my, the first four years of my career, my salary would double every year for the first four years. Had like a close to a million dollar stock portfolio, thought I was going to retire at the age of 40, a lot of different things, and then continued that career and management consulting where I traveled the globe uh, all the way to Singapore, Taiwan, uh, California. So it was a jet-setting life uh, for a while, uh, doing a lot of management consulting to C-suite, top-level executives, um, people, VIPs, CIOs at various companies, uh, strategy projects that were like anywhere from like $10 million to $250 million doing their strategy and some of their integration pieces. Uh, and then I guess after a while, you know, uh, making projects successful, but then at the same time feeling, I guess, um, jaded and I guess not really fulfilled. At first it was fun. I mean, the challenge of it as always is is novel and trying to, uh, to be successful and executing. Had a, a success in those areas, uh, was successful to help uh, various uh, VP CIOs either uh, delivering projects successfully, in some cases uh, mo modifying the strategy because <laughs> where they were going was going to be a dead end. So really supporting them. Uh, and so, but at the after a while, what ended up happening is uh, you get jaded and you're like, what am I using my superpowers for and, and not being fulfilled? So probably about a decade ago, I we pivoted. Uh, 12, 10, 12 years, I, I pivoted uh, the company really around that time, met my wife, I had my first child and said, you know, I want to leave, do, I guess, the second act of my career slightly different. Uh, and so that's kind of where that pivot have it happened. Great. Um, yeah, I do read that you uh, said that it's a social impact company. Yes. Um, so, like, um, could you, like, explain it to us? Like, how do you, like, say, like, how do you come up with that? Like, how does it impact socially? Mm -hmm. So, I, I think uh, throughout my career and I guess uh, different parts of my life, I've always been impacted by different uh, things. Even, like, for example, I remember uh, before even starting my career, uh, I was, um, I, I used to sell books at, as my, um, my, uh, I guess, freshman year in college, I went door to door to sell books uh, for a company called Southwestern Company. And so what ended up happening uh, there is it, it was pretty interesting because they were selling books to low income neighborhood. I was selling into a neighborhood near Van Nuys, which was really run down. It was pretty bad, actually. Some of the neighborhoods that I would go into, 
I remember one of the neighborhoods when I went uh, knocking on the doors. Um, there were like little black spots on on the the houses on like two of the houses and i was like oh what are those black spots on the houses and they said oh drive-by shooting two weeks prior so uh so from there the neighborhood uh, really did have that and it was mostly hispanic neighborhood so i went door to door and selling books and i remember one time um uh, meeting a gentleman at one of the houses uh uh, he saw what I was doing. Of course, you don't throw gang signs and stuff like that. You, uh, you, uh, so you, I went uh, and talked to him, and I sat down and was sharing some books. He didn't let me in the house, so we sat on the sidewalk. So I was like, I'm selling books and stuff like that. And he said, oh, those are very interesting. I would love to buy it. Why don't you come back at the end of the summer? Uh, and I might buy them from you. I said, uh, sure. You know, of course, as a salesman, you're all, you never really uh, say no to any sales. But of course, a little bit of his backstory is he had just been released from prison two weeks prior, right? So from that perspective. But again, what, what I guess la uh, left an imprint was that he still wanted that something more for his kids. So that's one of my pillars, right? You know, education. So uh, I did go back at the end of the summer but he, of course he wasn't there but again that that last uh, that left the impression on me of you know everybody may not be born with a silver spoon or not might not have the right um, uh, circumstances but they all want the best for their their children so from that perspective that was like one of those uh, points but back to your question uh, there were other indelible moments I'm just uh, giving you one example of that uh, so I guess I've always wanted to help people and stuff like that. I've traveled and been to places around the world where you see the have-nots, right? And actually, you know, my origin story is uh, is from that. You know, I was born in a third world country, Viet uh, Vietnam, during the Vietnam War. I won't get into that in this, but um, basically... Uh, you know, I know what it is to not have. And so when I came here and had all this success and realized it was, I guess it wasn't fulfilling that I said, okay, how can I use my suit? So that was the genesis of, of the social impact. And so what does social impact mean? Social impact means uh, being able to leverage my superpowers in the business world to really have an impact. Uh, so, you know, actually at the time that I, I actually looked into starting a nonprofit, uh, but I guess weighing that out, uh, one of the things I, I realized is a lot of nonprofits and uh, by no means uh, not important is, you know, there's a lot of nonprofits doing a lot of great work, but uh, I thought, okay, what does nonprofit mean? You create an organization, you're running the organization, and then you're just putting your hand out to receive fundraise from people. And that's always self-sustaining, right? And it doesn't really, and in some cases, in those types of uh, nonprofits, right, it exists and it almost, um, so I'm not saying that, you know, that's their intention, but I mean, uh, they exist to really solve a problem, but sometimes it almost enables that problem. Whereas, you know, from my perspective, and again, I'm not saying that's the case, but, you know, this is back a, a decade ago. And I said, okay, what about creating like um, uh, a, a for-profit company that is 
mission driven, right? Back then, before the term social impact, you know, can we create a sustainable company that so that makes enough money that, but without putting greed first. And I think nowadays you hear terms like conscious capitalism and social impact. So that's what a social impact company is to me, something, a company that is for profit. Uh, you have uh, organizations such as like a Public Benefit Corporation. I think that started out of uh, like California, West Coast area. And then you have like a B Corp certificate, uh, certified company. So uh, we are actually going through the process of getting our B Corp certification. And so, you know, we want to uh, look at uh, having an impact and want to be measured by the impact, right? So that's in your charter. That's in everything that you do. And it's about conscious capitalism. You need money to sustain and you want to create a sustainable company. And it also you want to support the people and you have that mission. But it's not about, uh, you know, the fundraising anymore. It's about creating a sustainable company that supports the economy, that supports and then that also drives. It's not about the greed. I mean, recently you heard cases. I mean, there's so many stories about greed uh, and, and overpowering from like uh, uh, I, I have a son that has uh, peanut allergies. And I don't know if you remember this about one or two years ago, but the price of the EpiPen doubled, right? And nothing really changed in the formulation, everything, except somebody bought them and, the, and then they decided to, I, I believe, increase the price by double. And that's outrageous, right? So I think there's a balance. You know, it, it's okay to make a profit, but it's not okay to be greedy. Does that make sense? That actually makes sense, yeah, 100%. So is it the reason too? Like, I was thinking, okay, like, I'm 28 right now. So when you think about being an entrepreneur, you consider a lot of, like, options because healthcare itself has a lot of competition. There are a lot of things already coming. People are proposing, you know. There are already established companies in there. Mm -hmm. So how yeah. did you, like, uh, like, you said that you were, like, selling books. You basically had experience with a lot of other companies and other, um, I would say, categories, right? So how did you like decide just going with the healthcare instead of like, have you, I'm, I'm not saying like you would start something, but have you like thought about considering some other companies or like other, other than healthcare or something? Uh, I think, you know, again, little experiences leave impression on you. So around 2004, 2005, I, w I shifted from uh, management consulting for uh, commercial entities to management consulting for the federal government. So actually one of the uh, contracts that we got uh, was to basically help launch uh, a portal. It was a healthcare portal. Uh, this is early days for the uh, Veterans Administration called My Healthy Vet. Uh, and so we were successful in launching the platform and I believe the whole team and everybody worked together to help launch and get from zero to 800,000 users within one year of the veterans. But, you know, we had uh, disabled veterans. We have different types of veterans that really supported and tested it. And it, it looked very positive and there was definitely a much of a need. But what you saw also on the back end was how broken the system was. Shortly thereafter, I don't know, there was a lot of scandals around the the VA, and even to this day, every once in a while, you hear about scandals and different things. I know people are trying to do their best, but it's a broken system, right? So that's why, you know, so that kind of 
help me say, okay, how uh, from the inside working out, you know, doesn't always work. So how about the outside looking in or looking at new innovative solutions? So that's uh, that was another genesis or another point that really kind of was a turning point on why I focused on healthcare. Prior to that, it was internet, telecommunications, billing, CRM, stuff like that. That was my focus. But seeing that, seeing the brokenness in the system, uh, how kind of solidify. Then the second uh, the second point uh, is I also did go back and do a little bit more management consulting uh, overseas, had an opportunity in Taiwan. And so another thing that triggered the brokenness in the healthcare system was I had, you know, as a management consulting, I had one of the best healthcare plans. And I remember this story and I tell this all the time. So, uh, you know, they said, okay, you're traveling and you're going to work in Taiwan. Uh, So you better get, I think it was either Hep B or Hep C vaccine. And again, I had Blue Shield Blue Cross, one of the top uh, premier insurer. I went to my primary care doctor, had to pay a $30 copay. All right. And he said, okay, I don't have the vaccine here. You have to go and get it from CVS. And I say, okay, good. So he said, there's a CVS right across the street. I write the prescription. You go and pick it up. And and so I went over there, picked it up. Another $30 copay. Then I came back to him. I said, okay, I'm here. It's like, okay, since you left the office, it's considered a second visit. Another copay, so ninety dollars to get one shot. Since the, there was an urgent need for me to be over in Taiwan and flying like that, I, I had to get the other. It's a three-shot regimen, so I went over there and got my next shot. Uh, and then the followings. I think it was like month. I was going to be there for a couple months and really enjoyed. So. Uh, single at that time, so was open to traveling and just staying and exploring. And uh, over there, Taiwan have their own healthcare system. And of course, my insurance was no good. The remaining two shots, no insurance through their public and everything, sixty dollars. I mean, I didn't have to pay anything and stuff like that. And so that left an indelible mark on me. I was like, I'm paying hundreds of dollars every month. Plus that, so there's something broken about our healthcare system. And of course, you know, there's uh, people can point to a number of things. So that's why for me, back to uh, my pillar, right? How do you leverage time, technology, and education to democratize healthcare, right? Because you do want to lower the cost. You want to look at that. There's just bending of this curve that has to happen over time because right now the cost continues to skyrocket even as a business owner i you know every year you're paying more and more and more into the healthcare system and that's somebody that can afford that then you have people that don't the people that are on medicaid medicare right so there's a lot of different challenges and so there needs to be solutions that kind of help drive down the cost and so i want to be part of of that and so that's why i say time technology and education because i i think you can drive down costs i think you can drive down uh, components if you do some automation i mean once you code a robot that does ai and detects something hopefully the cost goes down if that company's not greedy right so that's why i want to be part of that solution 
you know, my goal before I leave this world and die is to be able to have that impact. That's right, exactly. That makes sense, actually. That makes much more sense than how you came in healthcare because that was, I was wondering, like, how did he thought about, like, coming into healthcare? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So what kind of technologies you're using? Like, I do understand, like, about the services, like, you talk about, like, you know, that particular vaccine, um, you know, the hepatitis, like, AC. Uh, like, how do you, like, uh, what kind of technologies you are using, you know, to make it, like, more better? Mm-hmm. So... It's like if I were room by room, light would go off. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I guess it's 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 saving energy, so that's a good thing. Yeah, it does that. Yeah. Only if you're not moving enough, then so. As far as technology, you know, I've always been a lifelong learner and always reinventing myself and always learning. So I get, you know, I, I tell my co-founder, Katie, that, you know, we pinch ourselves and we get to wake up every day working with some of the top minds in not only the country, but in the world, right? And so the technology that we're looking at includes, you know, uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning. Of course, it goes back to my roots because, you know, a lot of it was telecommunications type systems. So that's all telecommunications systems. You want to be able to leverage that, Uh, whether it's mobile devices to landlines to IVR systems. The, the list goes on and on. I mean, that's my background. I actually have a master's degree in, in telecommunications and uh, computer networks. So that's where I got my master's degree in at, at uh, a local university here called GW. And uh, from there, uh, that's one of the things that uh, we focus on. And of course, uh, uh, with artificial intelligence, whether it's uh, machine learning, AI, um, uh, uh, natural language processing to computer vision. Those are the things that we're working with. Uh, I, I know enough to be dangerous, but I rely on the experts, right? A lot of times we put together what's called multidisciplinary teams uh, to work together to solve a solution. And we also use a, a, a approach uh, where it, it's it's community-based, whether it's like a user-centered design where we have a community advisory board or moving more towards a community-based ad, uh, participatory type research. You know, we, do, uh, we work with the community. We don't do something to the community. We do it with the community. So that's really kind of uh, the different components. But back to the technology, it's anything. I mean, uh, one of the things we're working on is like a, a smart speaker system, uh, Jarvis for the home would be an example. So that has some NLP components. Uh, we're getting ready to start a project over in uh, India. Uh, it's oral cancer screening. And so for the oral cancer, we're looking at computer vision. Oral cancer is not a big problem over here, uh, partly because everybody goes to the dentist for most people. Uh, but in a third world country like India, it's a huge problem, right? So because of the chewing tobacco and the smoking tobacco. So again, there we're looking to solve a solution, uh, working with uh, collaborators over there to really uh, address that problem. That's great. Yeah, awesome. So, like, so, you are like, definitely, you it's are, not a non-profit company, so definitely your company needs to make some profit, too. So, I was wondering, like, uh, 
like besides like if you compare yourself with other healthcare companies like what are the challenges like you are facing because you wanna like fix the system at least you're trying to fix the system and at the same time you are making your company work too so what do you think like what are the main challenges you are having in that area so i think with every company you, you always have a great idea and of course, finding out what that minimum viable product is. So there's always the, you know, uh, the, the issue of, you know, how do you get to something that really fits that can engage people? Uh, for us, uh, another problem also outside of that is, is it evidence-based? Are we doing something that really has an impact, right? So I don't care to be like a headspace or a comma, though meditate, but I, I want to show the impact. Right. I want to be able to measure that impact. Right. So as part of that, that's also a challenge. And so uh, especially in the digital health and for us, we're trying to be more of a digital therapeutic product company. So from a digital therapeutic type thing, you also have to go through what's called clinical trials. Right. Those you hear about that for the vaccine. So it goes through various clinical trials uh, where you have like uh, the gold standard is what's called a randomized control trial where you have a control group and then you have an intervention group and show that there is some statistical significant improvement in some area or some outcome. And that can take a long time uh, to do that and get that approval. So that's ultimately the goal. And then it has to be based on science and evidence and, and hypothesis that you have and this is where the impact would be, whether it's like decreasing the, uh, the depressive symptom of a college student that is uh, has depression. And of course, as part of that, you're working with possibly high risk populations. Like I said, like you could be working with college students that have depression. You could be working with moms that have depression. So there's that challenge of keeping them safe in a random, if something does happen, what happens in an adverse uh, event, right? Just like this vaccine that you hear going on, what are the possible adverse events? Those have to be reported. And so that's what you're trying to do. And But ultimately, the goal is to say, I developed something that has clinical outcomes. I, I developed something that has been shown to improve or, or decrease something, whether it's death, depression, you know, um, increase weight loss and weight, uh, you know, uh, reduce weight retention. So it's a bunch of different um, things that you have to factor in, which makes it slightly more complex and more challenging. And I think as, you know, I, that's why I, I like the challenge, right? So it's not just to be a digital uh, health company, right, consumer, but to be uh, move more along the lines of being digital therapeutic to have uh, improvements in, in the human condition and healthcare. And that's how we can measure impacting a billion lives. You know, it's not just them downloading the device and using it. Oh, there's impact. No, there's, we want to show impact. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tanima. Is It's going to be a wrap up. So is there anything else you want to share with us? Like being a health, like you are an entrepreneur. So anything you want to share with us, like for the you know, like future, like us, like if I want to think about something in the future, would you share or would you give me a suggestion or is there anything you want to share with us? Yeah, I mean, like all entrepreneurs, you also, I mean, we also have to take care of ourselves, our mental health and everything during the COVID times. It's definitely challenging. 
and of course we are working in the, this new model of, of you know of how people work I mean we were already exploring uh, I'll close with that like remote work but now what's that new model look like as we go into this post-COVID hopefully in the next depending on what happens with the Delta variant the boosters and everything I have three little ones and but hopefully we're we're at the end of this and so there's going to be an a new economy even for uh startups or companies right they 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 call it the mass resignation right that's you know uh where a lot of people people you hear of what apple's doing and people revolting so i think that's something as uh entrepreneur you have to think about because it's about the people and the processes so what are we doing for the people so i'll close with that yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing all the information and experiences. They mean a lot. Thank you. Uh, no worries. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Have a good evening. Thank you for joining us on this month's interview series. Please follow and subscribe to the Screenbox podcast to hear our monthly interview series as well as our monthly podcast. Until next month, stay safe and healthy.